When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Hey, Scott! Lay some up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 61 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined alongside Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And we're going to kick things off with our guest this week, kind enough to join us for about a half an hour of his time. He's a former Boston Bruin and an NHL analyst on Nesson during the season, Andrew Raycroft. He had a lot to talk about regarding the goaltending situation, uh, the Bruins' center position, and, and filling the void of David Krejci along with their defensive depth and uh, other things to go along with it. So we'll dive into that right now. Here's Andrew Raycroft. Joining us now on the Skate Podcast is former Boston Bruin, former Calder Award winner for Rookie of the Year in 03-04, currently does a lot of studio analysts for Nesson, does some work here at WEEI, has his own Bruins podcast with Billy Jaffe, The Morning Brew. Andrew Raycroft, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. I think Scott's going to start it off here with some uh, barn burner questions for you here. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. That's uh, a lot of high bar. Yeah, so I'll, I want to start with the guy that you came into the league with, who is amazingly still here. That's Patrice Bergeron. And uh, last week at the Boston Bruins Foundation Golf Tournament, had some interesting comments when, when asked about his future and uh, entering the final season of his contract. And basically just straight up said that he's going to play out this season. He doesn't, you know, plan to sign any new contract now or during the year. And uh, I think that kind of set off some alarm bells. Like, oh, wait a second. Like, Bergeron's, you know, kind of waiting things out and going into the year and just going to play this out. What did you think of those comments? And is there is there a reason to maybe start to worry a little bit about whether this could potentially be his last year. I don't, I'm, I don't think it's that grave. I don't think this is his last year, barring any crazy injury uh, coming about. I think there's, there's very few guys that get to the point in their career where they're very comfortable signing one-year deals 
with the team that they've played 18 years with. And being able to do that both from a personal standpoint, you're able to go year to year and, and really uh, plan your life and, and see where your kids are. But also, you know, as, as an organization, you're not tying that and feeling the responsibility of fulfilling a contract. And Patrice is literally one, probably three or four guys each generation have that ability to get to that point, and Patrice is now one of them. So I, I don't look at it as a this is his last year. I, I got to imagine uh, we'll know when Patrice's last year is coming up. And the reality is, like you said, it's 18 years now, and, and it, it is coming. Uh, it's sooner than later that will happen. I, I don't see it being this year. I just think he likes the flexibility of possibly going year to year both for his – family life for his professional life not feeling the responsibility like i said to the organization and also from an organizational standpoint you can then work salary caps in different ways when you have a guy like patrice on board yeah because i think like that's that's sort of the the best case right is like this is sort of what Zdeno Chara did his last couple years in boston where he was signing one-year deals year to year i think he was usually signing those like late in the regular season just before the playoffs uh, but obviously part, you know, Boston fans around here, like these last couple of years, we've kind of been conditioned to maybe expect the worst. Like Tom Brady was never going to leave. And then he did. Zdeno Chara was never going to play for another team. And then he did, you know, no one really thought David Krejci was going to actually leave for the Czech Republic now, you know, maybe in a couple of years, but, uh, it's like, it's kind of been, you know, one veteran departure legend after another for these last couple of years. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, sort of like bracing for the worst there. Like, oh, my God, could could we really be dealing with this a year from now? Yeah, and then on top of the, the pandemic that we've all had, we're all yeah. a little skittish at this point, and we're, we're, we're day-to-day with, with new headlines and mass mandates and, and Patrice Bergeron leaving. But I, I do think that of all the guys you mentioned, um, you know, I guess, I suppose, Brady, it's just a different sport with Brady, but when you look at Char, he's already played with two different organizations. So that the idea of being like Steve Eiserman and, and playing an entire career in one place, uh, that was out, out of the books for Char. So I think that's a different scenario. Patrice is going to stay here for his entire career. Hey, Razor, just uh, jumping on the Bergeron stuff real quick. I think back to when he was a rookie, and I mentioned it earlier when we introduced you, obviously you won the Calder that year. Do you, like, sit back watching him nowadays and just, like, kind of pinch yourself, like, how much time has gone by since you played with them? I mean, I know you guys had an acting career back then. You guys were on a Zamboni <laughs> going over the uh, the Zakem, but um, do you just watch him sometimes and think to yourself, it's crazy that Bergie's still playing, and, and honestly, I mean, every year, as good as he's ever looked, and what was he like when he was a rookie and just how he was different than most younger kids at the time that you can maybe see this um, in his future. Brian, that was like a hundred questions. I don't know how he's going to answer all of those. I'm sorry. I'll, all right, all right. I'll, I'll simplify, I'll simplify it. I'll of those points. You, um, you said we've got you for three hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right, exactly. Um, I could talk about Patrice for three hours. If, if anybody is... I I played with so many guys over my career, and there's there's quite a few. Everybody, they're all great guys. They're all great teammates. You have the odd guy throughout my career that I wouldn't say that, but for 
the 99.8 per majority guys were great. Now there's still guys that uh, you, you that people talk about, and you're like, well, he's maybe not that great. That's the opposite of Patrice. Uh, I, I can't imagine a better person. Uh, I can't imagine a better teammate, and and a just a all around everything that everyone says about him is one thousand percent for me, if not more. Uh, he's truly a guy that you would want your daughter to marry. That that's how I see it, and I certainly wouldn't say that about many hockey players. And Patrice is that guy. Um, what makes him when he was 18 he was extremely mature and that there was obviously a, a major language barrier which made him quiet and reserved but it was it was also because he was so mature and so dedicated to the game even at 18 uh, going up to going on the road and and you know in 2004 you could you guys still did go out every once in a while for dinner and not just have protein shakes the whole time they're on the road and, and sit in the room, play video games. We went out and Patrice, you know, he was, he was home. He was in early all the time. He was dedicated to the game all of the time, even as an 18 year old kid being in the NHL and, and seeing it all for the first time. So very mature right from the start. I, I marvel more off the ice with Patrice. In and my wife and I laugh all the time just how he does interviews and he doesn't have an accent now. Um, I see him at the rink with his with his kid and it's he was such a kid even to my wife and I in 2004. Uh, to think of him as as being a dad makes us feel extra old um, and see how him and his wife are and, and they just seem so young to us back then. So. It's more of the off the off the ice things that I notice when he's doing interviews and when he's speaking and when I see him around. Um, you know, I still think of him as an 18 year old kid, but he certainly isn't. Andrew, um, when Chara left, this has been the first season that Bergeron took over as captain. But pretty much, he could have been a captain probably for a lot of other teams earlier in his career, if not for Chara being there and being a veteran for so long. Do you think that he would have had a chance to be a captain elsewhere some somewhat earlier in his career because of his maturity? No que- no question. He he would have been a captain here in 2008, I would say, 2000 even 2007 possibly. Um had Chara not shown up in 2006. He, he he was he was a leader coming out of the lockout when the team basically got blown up and there was no veteran guys anymore and Joe Thornton got traded. I mean, it it wasn't quite because he was still only 20 years old, but but certainly he was on trajectory to be that that leader of the organization within a couple years, and and he certainly fulfilled that trajectory, if not more. So so no question, he would have been captain prior to 2010 had Charon up in here. And when we think about Bergeron, you know, entering the last year of his contract, at some point in the future. Uh, he's going to leave the Bruins. Do you think that there's an obvious guy on this team that could take over that kind of role as a captain that's um, similar to him in any way? Well, those are big shoes to fill, right? That's uh, It's what he's done and, and accomplished and internationally and just the person he is that I already talked about. Um, however, he's passed the culture on, and, and Zidane's done the same, and, and Tuca and Krejci and Brad Marchand. 
And so I would assume, you know, if it's soon, if it's, it's a Brad Marchand type guy, if it's a little bit longer and both of those guys are older, then I believe we're looking at a Charlie McAvoy if they can get him to a, a 10-year, $200 million deal, which it looks like they're going to have to pay him um, somehow. But I, you look at a, a Charlie McAvoy, and that seems like the the natural fit to have a 30-minute-a-night defenseman uh, it, the, the new age, the Dano Chara, be the captain going forward. I, I still do think, though, we're two or three years away from that. Uh, another interesting thing that, that Bergeron said last week was when he was asked about Krejci and, you know, unsurprisingly said, like, it wasn't really a surprise to him. He had talked to Krejci about something like that well before Krejci made his decision uh, to go home and play in the Czech Republic. But then he, later in his answer, kind of, like, tossed in a, you know, we'll keep in touch and hopefully we'll see him back. And it seems like everyone with the Bruins is still leaving the door open. And maybe that's just so, you know, just in case, right? You just never shut that door. But Krejci in, in uh, his press conference on the Czech Republic, you know, it, based on the translations of that press conference, basically said he's playing the whole year in the Czech Republic, doesn't plan on coming back in the spring. Uh, Razor, do you see... it? Is it just wishful thinking in terms of leaving that door open? Could it be a possibility? You know, even if maybe if it's next year or something, or do, or do you think realistically is, is is that door shut? I get the sense. I don't know how it's possible this year. I yeah. I don't completely understand the rules. On top of the fact that if he's going over there uh, to come back, even if you can, even if no one picks him up on waivers if that's what's necessary, even if everything falls into place perfectly to go over there and then pick up the family again, move them out of school again earlier, you know, within the school year, which is still in April over there, to do all that movement, that doesn't make sense why he would go over in the first place. Uh, but to the set. They they haven't talked to me about it, which is interesting that that door always opens. So it, it is certainly possible that he goes over for the year. This is when he needs to go. COVID accelerated his thought process with that, but I'll be back next year in a year from now. Um, that, that I suppose that's possible, but as we know, and as we found out even more so the last two years, that life changes over a 10-month period, both and in the NHL, that's that's exponentially quicker. So uh, it's hard to imagine him back in any sense, in any way. Uh, I mean, is he going to be a, a third or fourth line center after going over to Europe and coming back? That it, it just seems like a lot for him to, to come back. But it's definitely not in April, from my point of view. I've tempered my expectations at this point after after all that's happened in Boston the last few years with people leaving, and I I got the same sense as you that he wasn't really. Um, he wasn't keeping the door open, whether or not the Bruins were or not. And I think it's an interesting point that you bring up when he comes back, what kind of player is he going to be? Because there's already questions about his age and, you know, when his uh, decline would really start. So it'd be interesting to see how he comes out um, after, I believe he's age 36 now, or turning 36. So um, to see how he would be coming back at that age. And uh, that's something they have to consider too. No, yeah, no question. And the Czech League's pretty good hockey, but it, it's not 
considered top two or three over in Europe, let alone NHL caliber. So the league will get NHL will get a year younger. David Krejci will get a year older, being away from that pace and that that he's certainly talented enough, thinking the game wise. But it would be a big ask to have a 37 year old guy come back after you know. Yager did it, but he was playing in Russia the whole time. It, it, that that step from the Russian league to the Czech league is still a pretty significant drop off. So, uh, Razor, on that point, like, what do you see the Bruins' center depth right now? Like, do you think it's good enough to get to the promised land? Because obviously, this team is, you know, it seems like they've been in cover bust for a few years now. But I mean, you look at Coyle and and Felino and Halla, um, you know, maybe a Jack Stanika. What's your gut telling you? Do you think they're gonna have to make some maybe? you know, in-season adjustments or additions, or do you think that what they have might be good enough? I uh, My gut instinct is they're going to, at some point, have to make adjustments. I think all the teams do, and, and I, I think the Bruins are still going to be in the top half of the Eastern Conference. So you look at last year they made adjustments and got Taylor Hall. That's a pretty big adjustment to make. I, I think that that still will be necessary come deadline. You look what the strengths are in the Eastern Conference. I, I'm holding out hope that a guy like Charlie Coyle has his knee surgery. Hopefully, that was what was holding him back so much last season. He can take a big jump. Uh, a Halla, a Felino, who had back problems last year, can. So it can be a committee. Most of all, I'm hope two things. I'm hopeful for number one is I do believe Taylor Hall can carry a line. And you look at Panarin with the Rangers and how he's been able to carry his first line from the wing. Now, can Taylor Hall do carry a second line from the wing? This guy won an MVP from the wing. I think he's the one that you're looking at to, to carry and pick up more slack, more so than the centermen, whether that be the guys we talked about. My second hope, and it's really necessary – for this Bruins team to have a young guy step up in a big way, not just rule minutes, not just third line minutes, not a, a Trent Frederick fourth line energy guy. They need a guy like all these other teams in the national hockey league are having 19, 20, 21 year old guys come into the lineup and score goals right away. And that's where you look at a, a Studica that has to make a jump for this team. And, and whether it's a Braden point whether it's a Cole Caulfield we saw in the playoffs. But those young guys have to make a huge difference. And the Bruins just haven't got that to the extent that they've needed over the last couple of years. And, and that's where I'm uh, looking for throughout that forward line is two or three of these guys to really make a jump and really contribute in meaningful offensive way. Yeah, and the, the early reports are that Jack Stanika looks like someone who's bulked up a little bit this summer, which is encouraging because that was really the one thing I think he struggled with the most at the NHL level was just dealing with NHL size and physicality and getting knocked off the puck too easily. I mean, obviously, he, I think he'd be the most natural to take that kind of step that you're talking about. Do, do you think he can, or, or you know, do you think it could be someone else? Well, I, I think he can. I mean, he had some good opportunities last season. And I'll, I'll take it all the way back. Look at Patrice Bergeron, 18-year-old second-round pick. No one knew who he was. Didn't speak the language. And he becomes an impact player on a first-place team that season in the in 2004. And, and that, 
that was what put us over the hump that year. It was the second we had two lines. Now we had Samsonov, Bergeron, and Nylander after the deadline, and, and so that's that's how that's the formula. And um, hopefully, it's unique. Again, he had some good chances. He didn't finish when he did, and I think that once he, if he had have finished, there's more confidence. There's maybe uh, more of a chance for him to score more goals last season. Hopefully he packs on pounds, and we hear that every year. Listen, we're going to hear that from four or five best shape of their entire life. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Once it'll 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 carry them through training camp, but once you get playing an NHL season, that's when the cream really rises, and he's going to have to find a way to to do it on a consistent basis. And if they put him on that second line, he has to contribute. He has to score goals, and he has to get points on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, we talked about Krejci obviously leaving this off season. Rask, we're not sure where he stands on coming back, though he said he wants to. Uh, the Bruins did make some moves in the off season. They added Nick Foligno, Eric Halla, Tomas Nosek, and Linus Allmark. Do you have a favorite off season move, and do you think that those moves were enough to fill the shoes that um, were lost in this off season? I think I liked I like all of the moves, to be honest. I thought they 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 took care of the depth. I think the third and fourth lines now have bigger bodies, more experience, players that can move into different positions. And we know there's going to be a bunch of injuries again this year with 82 games. It's still condensed because of the Olympics. You're going to have to manage rests for guys like Patrice Bergeron. And uh, you're going to need all of that depth. So I like all those moves. My favorite, though, by far, is Allmark. Uh, they got the best free agent goalie on the market. They, they're they losing Tuka Rask, who is going to be, you know, has been, obviously, we know the story. We know the storyline. And, and the reality is he's probably going to be been underappreciated a little bit the last few years. But to go out and get the best free agent goalie, in my opinion, and have him locked in at a, a pretty reasonable number for the next four years with a young guy like Swayman coming up, Allmark still coming into his prime. That's that's my favorite deal. I think goaltending is always going to be the most important position, and and they proved that they're still going for it by picking up Allmark and having not gone with a Swayman, Vladar right out of the gates. Andrew, uh, towards the end of your career, I feel like in the NHL there was a bit of a shift with goaltenders to more of the butterfly um, style, kind of like the way Tuca played. But with players like Allmark and Swayman, are you starting to see that hybrid style of goaltending start to make a, um, a re-entrance into the NHL? My older brother is actually, shout out to him, he, he played goalie and he always talks to me about how uh, the goalies seemed a little bit too robotic the last 10 years, but now he likes the, the hybrid style they're going back to. Yeah, I, I, they're not. I mean, they're not going back to the point of of making stand up saves, a la Jerry Cheevers. Uh So, so they're, they're still they're still going down making plays. But to your point, the the game's so much east west now. It, it's so lateral that guys have to hold their edges longer. They have to stay on their feet longer. There's no sliding. There's no blocking. To your brother's point of being robotic, got a, a Giguere type and. In, in, in the mid-2000s where you got in position and played big. Now you have to play big, but you also have to fly around the ice and, and make make saves from east to west. So so certainly the, the goaltending positions changed, and, and to your hybrid point, it's more a matter of being on your edges, staying on your feet. We've seen 
when Tuka struggled the last couple of years, it was when he was sliding on plays laterally, whether that was coming from the high from the high point to the half wall, plays like that where he's sliding compared to when he's moving and getting on his feet. We saw Terry Price getting on his feet in all situations in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Compared to at times, he slides and gets a little little lazy, um, doesn't get to his spot on time, and that's when the goals start going in. So the guys that are at their best, Vasilevsky, are athletic. They move on their feet really well, and they play big. Yeah, I noticed a lot with Swayman last year. He, his resetting was on point, and just the way he kind of came out in the crease and you know, was kind of letting the, the forwards in front of the net, that, trying to screen him, know he was there with some, some stick work, and just little things that kind of showed you, like, this kid seems like a gamer. Obviously, Allmark, we haven't seen him too much, obviously, in here in Boston, but maybe the same from him. But, yeah, I was just curious about that. Yeah, Jeremy has good game management. He, he understands the position. The caveat with, with Jeremy is he's never played more than 33 games in his entire life. Um, going to college, that was his max. So, to, to put him in last year's shortened season, no people in the stands, minimal travel. That's the difference this year. 82 games, you're flying to L.A., you're playing in Phoenix at 4 in the afternoon after a back-to-back the night before in Calgary. It's, it's a big ask for a young guy who's never played more than 33 games to take the reins, and that's why that all mark and having them together is, is a big deal. Yeah, actually, so that kind of leads into what I wanted to get to next, which, you know, I was looking back, and you had played a couple longer seasons before your, your NHL rookie season, whether that was juniors or in the AHL, and like you said, Swayman hasn't, and even Linus Elmark at the NHL level really hasn't had a full season, whether it's been because of injuries or splitting time. Did Do you think that the two of them together can handle a full NHL workload, if that's what it comes to, you know, if Rask doesn't come back for whatever reason? Or do you think it's going to get to a point where Rask coming back is, is almost needed for this team? No, I, I don't see – right now I don't see it being needed. Listen, there's, there's, you look around the NHL, there's, there's still always a need for a third goalie. There's going to be time – you know, one of them's probably going to have a growing issue or a hip issue or a knock or just something that, that – gets them on for seven to ten days at different times. We've seen it with Tuchel over the last few years and you are a lot coming in and, and spelling them. Now, the good news is both of those guys can... We've seen them both carry the mail for more than ten days or two weeks. So if there is a, a knock for one of them, the other one can come in and spell them and, and the third guy. And, and listen, any team that loses two goalies, their top two goalies, they're always going to be in trouble. There's nothing you can do about that. So I don't see it being performance-wise for either one of them. I think they're going to spell each other well. There's going to be times when they, they struggle for three or four or five days, but because the other one is there to take over and help out, they can get their work done and, and get better through that. So I don't see right now, I, I don't see how you're going to say, well, Tuka has to come back uh, for this team to, to, to do well. I think that's why they signed Allmark. I, I think that's why they have him here is to not have that that absolute need whenever the time comes. Uh, Andrew, one last question for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on their decor heading into the season? You look down the right side on the top four, you have McAvoy and Carlo. I mean, that's you know a phenomenal um, you know top two right side defenseman. How do you feel about their left side with Forbert and uh, and Grizzly? Do you think it's going to be um, I guess trial by error, or do you think do you have a? Con- I don't know how much you guys have seen Forbert. I know I haven't out in Winnipeg um, in oh, LA, no. but uh, how, how do you feel about that left side, Andrew? Well, I think. I think it comes down to the fact that 
if you have a healthy Carlo all season, that changes everything dramatically. And when he and I, I, I understand that's a, you know you can say that that's a negative, and, and he has been injured in big spots. And how can you count on him? But I think as you get older and you have a few of these injuries, you learn to not put yourself in that situation. I think you learn how to uh, to, to survive those different situations out on the ice. So I look at Carlo being and McAvoy being your top two guys and, and finding a way. Now, Fulberry brings in a lot of size. You saw the Tampa Bay Lightning. You saw the Montreal Canadiens. Both teams had four guys over six foot four, over 210 pounds that can move and can skate. And they don't necessarily have to be completely offensive gifted, but they have to make a good first pass and get out of the zone. I think that's what Fulberry brings. Grizzly does that. Oh, there's all the other stuff. He's the skill guy. He's the power play guy. So, at the end of the day, I like the decor. I still think they need another big body at some point within that top six. Um, they don't grow on trees. There's still some guys out there. I think there's still opportunities for PTO, and we've seen that be a benefit to some better teams. The last few years, you get guys into camp, and you find a way for them to get into the lineup. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see that coming, but where it constitutes right now, I think having Carlo come back healthy, playing at his best, really complements McAvoy and what he can do. Another decor question from me. Uh, you kind of alluded to it in your answer right there. Do you think that this decor is tough enough um, and big enough? And also, I guess, just expand that to the team in general, the way that it's been put together. They, they, I think they can be bigger. I still think they can be bigger on the back end, and, and that's just you know a couple, couple guys with that you know through depth with the six. You know, there's still um, you, you, you look at a guy like Connor Clifton and Grizzlick. So you start adding those guys up. You don't want McAvoy taking a punishment physically. So and so, so I guess long story, long answer is that yes, I, I'd like to see them bigger on the back end. I think when it comes to toughness. It's hard to go and make that up. I mean, there's guys like Ryan Reeves, who's only one of those guys. There's Tom Wilson, and, and that's I think that's where we all go to right away when you talk about toughness in the Eastern Conference. And we saw Tim Tom Wilson take the hits and take some liberties. But I don't think you can just go out there nowadays and, and waste roster spots trying to fill that need. If it If it works out, and you really have to go out like the Rangers did and get a Reeves as much as PR as anything else, great. But like I said, the Bruins can't manufacture that, and I don't think they can really spend too much time worrying about that. They need a Frederick to step up sometimes and just have that team toughness is just as important. I think we're good. I think we've taken uh, a little <laughs> too much time for you, uh, Razors, but we appreciate every second of it. Um, obviously, you can listen to him on the Morning Brew podcast with uh, Billy Jaffer. They do a great job. Uh, he's on Nesson all the time with uh, during the season. What do we have? Four weeks of the season now, so we're getting close. Yeah. We're getting close. Captain's yeah, practices started forward. today. Started Monday. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting going. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time, Andrew. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, we're back once again. Thanks to Andrew Raycroft for joining us. Uh, gave us about thirty minutes of his time, and that was more than enough. What would you guys say, um, Bridget and Scott, stood out to you amongst things that we talked about with him? Well, some of the crazy stuff just still fascinates me because I, I tend to agree with Razor when he says, like, it, it's hard to see how it happens this year. And yet, you know, what we hear from the Bruins on the record is still that 
the doors open. You know, most recently we had that from Bergeron last week. And there there seems to be this idea that, like, there is still this chance that he could return this year. And, you know, like, I don't, I'm not, like, reporting anything, but, like, you hear some stuff from, from other people just talking, too. And it just seems like no one's really shutting that door, even, like, off the record. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, how, how how does that work? Because his season's going to go until at least early March on the Czech Republic. And I guess the only thing I can think of is the team he's playing for, Olamuk in the Czech Republic, they weren't good last year. They finished 12th out of 14 teams. Uh, he's not playing there because they're a championship contender. He's playing there because that's his hometown team. Um that said, 12th place in the Czech Republic still makes the playoffs. Only two teams missed the playoffs in that league. Uh, yeah, like you thought the NHL was back, bad like back in the days when 16 of 24 or whatever made it. Um, so, like, in theory, if his team was bad again and their season ended in early March, either they missed the playoffs or they get knocked out in the first round and it's like mid-March, you know, then there could still be time before the NHL trade deadline, which is probably towards the end of March. But that that still like ignores the fact that Krejci is playing an entire season in the Czech Republic that by the way already started it started this past weekend so he's already played a game and scored a goal by the way um so that i mean that's a long year for someone who's in his age 30 what age 36 season he's going like he's going to play from September to March in the Czech Republic then come back to Boston and play Potentially, like, another three months if the Bruins go on a deep playoff run. Plus the Olympics. Yeah, plus the Olympics. And, like, it doesn't it doesn't seem likely. Uh, so I tend to agree with Razor that, like, it certainly seems like that door should be shut. But yet it's weird that you still hear so much that, like, oh, it's not. And maybe he could. Well, and then- at least shut for a year, right? Like, it, it almost yeah. seems impossible this year for it to happen. You would think so, and that's the way I lean. I just think it's odd the the way that the Bruins have talked on the record, or even like I like I know I'm kind of being vague, but like some here things you hear just kind of whispers of you know, and like the demarcation line seemed like it was going to be that introductory press conference that Krejci had with Olomouc, where again in check he was asked like, is there a chance that you could leave at some point and go back to the Bruins? And again, he his answer wasn't checked, so we're depending on translations. Um, said basically, no, I signed a one year contract. I'm committed for the full season. I'm not thinking about going back to Boston in the spring. But no one ever thought he wasn't going to finish the season, right? But there's still a timeline in March, like you mentioned, before the playoffs. That this is what people were kind of banking on would be that he came back for the playoffs at this point. But they have. Charlie Coyle moved into the second line center role. And I mean, there's a situation that you could see if Coyle comes back healthy from his knee surgery, that maybe they don't need him to come back and slot on the second line um, after such a long season, like you mentioned, Scott, where he might be a little bit worn down. But there's also a situation you could see where maybe Coyle doesn't perform uh, to what they need him to and to fill the shoes of Krejci exactly how um, things would go if everything goes as the Bruins planned. So I- I'm with you, Scott. I don't think it's happening this year. I will not get my hopes up for it, at least. Um, but I think maybe 
there are some things that could happen during the season that could change things a little bit. Well, you know what they say. Two is a party, three is a crowd. But nonetheless, I'm still going to agree with you guys. Okay, because I don't think Creech is coming back either. And i got to tell you something. If I'm the Bruins, I don't want him. That's not, not that I don't want him coming back. But if you're banking on him coming back, then their priority is in the wrong place because it's 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 false hope. What I think is more realistic. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I... Were you moving your hair or were you putting your hand up to talk? <laughs> no, I was going to say something, but oh, you're, you're continuing. No, no. Um, if they need him to be the savior on this team, there is already a problem. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I think... I think um, a scenario that's probably more likely than Krejci coming back is that um, Stanika steps up, forces the issue, becomes the number two center, and then um, you have a third line of you know Halla, Felino, Coyle, and maybe they trade DeBrusque and something else for something for a defenseman or something like that at some point this year. Because I can see I can see Stanika and and like like Raycroft said, you know. It's something that this team desperately needs is for a young impact player. And obviously, you know, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, David Pasternak, those are three that come to mind. Um, but again, those weren't sweet. Uh, was any of those Sweeney guys? McAvoy, McAvoy was. was. McAvoy was. But regardless, up front at least, um, they need that, especially at center. The last the last uh, sentiment to break through um, that was their property after draft day was David Krejci. Um you had, you had him and Bergeron for you know, 12, 13, 14 years together. So I, I think if Stanika can, can play his way into that second-line role, that's a good problem because now maybe Coyle slides down to the third line and uh, maybe you can, maybe DeBrus can be expendable. Who knows? And, yeah. and Sorry, one quick point. Uh, there's a situation that the Bruins could be in where there's a 100% chance that Krejci's not coming back, and that's if they're not in the playoff picture or if they're – their team doesn't seem to be one that can make a deep run because I don't think Krejci would want to spend the time and the Bruins would want to spend the time and effort it would take to to bring him back in that situation. It doesn't seem worth it for either side. Well, I I think if that were to... I mean, I guess it depends on like the levels. Like Obviously, if they're way out of it and this season just goes totally south, then yeah. But, I mean, if they're hanging around, then they have to find a way to go for it like they did last year. Like... You know, how many podcasts did we do where we were like, that was like a borderline playoff team. Like, what is this team? Mm. And they had to go for it because you have an aging core. And like, what are, the, what are your other options? Blow it up? Just tread water and be like an eight seed or something? Like, those aren't, it, that's not what you want to be doing. So I think, you know, even if they're kind of like fourth place in the division type situation, they're still going to be looking to add because because I don't think they really have any other options at this point. Um, as far as the Nika goes, yeah, that would be great. Like that would be best case scenario. I just think it's probably a little bit of wishful thinking and, and a lot to ask from him. Like he's, he's a player who hasn't really cracked through and been able to stick even in like a bottom six role yet. And, uh, had a tough year last year. He didn't play, didn't play in the NHL as much as the Bruins wanted. Didn't play as much period as the Bruins would have wanted. Cause he, Missed time down in Providence as well. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, if, if he's bulked up and he's going to be stronger, like, that's great. That's a start. It's still, it's still a lot to ask. Like, I, I just think I, I'd be pretty surprised if that happens. Obviously, pleasantly surprised. But um, I, I honestly think, like, it, it has to be Coyle. And I, you know, to raise this point about, like, Taylor Hall being the star wing who kind of leads the line, 
that can happen. We we've seen it before. You know, another example I was thinking of is like how the Blackhawks back in the day would split up Taves and Kane, and Kane would carry his own line with like Artem and Nisimov at right, center. Right, was that second center? Yeah, you know, like, like who cares? Right, you're um, right about that. Yeah, but it, you know, but look, there's a difference between even there's a difference between that and Taylor Hall. Like, let's be honest. Until he got to Boston last year, Taylor Hall hadn't been that player in a right. few years, and a big reason why he looked like that player again in Boston is because he has Dave Crazy as a center. So <laughs> we can't forget like, that. We're, we're kind of running in circles here yeah. and ch- chasing your tail in terms of but someone no. who's going to lift up the second line. I mean, it's okay to bring up as a possibility, but the likelihood of it is is um, not like with those other situations you mentioned, where the winger brings up the whole line. This might be a bit of a hot take, but it's and it's not because he's out of town. It's truly not. I I I do feel that Krejci was obviously the major reason for Hall's emergence or re- resurgence, I should say. But there's a lot more to it than just who his son it was. It, it's it's organizational. Oh, yeah. It's structural. Um, he was he was reinvigorated. Like there's a lot more to it than just you know who his son it was because you know you could have had him with Coyle last year after the deadline, and I'm sure he would have been you know still pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to be, like another big part of it was playing behind Brad Marchand and watching Brad Marchand. Yeah. We, we saw like that bromance emerge, but it was also yeah. it was also like a, a learning relationship where that Taylor Hall even talked about multiple times where he'd watch things that Marchand would do and be like, oh, like I can do that. I have that skill set. Like, you know, look how hard this guy's working. Like, I got to keep up type thing. He so. was definitely put in probably his ideal situation um, to succeed without Krejci. The, the prospects maybe go down a little bit, but he's found a fit here with the Bruins, so there's we don't really know what his ceiling is quite yet with this team because we only get to see him post-trade deadline. So I see that he could make more progress, um, carry a little bit more of the load, but um, remains to be seen whether or not it will be enough by himself to pick up um, what they'll be missing without Krejci, but Charlie Coyle could pick up a little bit of the slack if he comes back healthy in the way that he played back in Minnesota. And let's not forget, Craig Smith has had times where he looked phenomenal and he's had streaks, and if he could be consistently that way, uh, it could be more of a um, lift by committee. Well, you don't even have to go as far back as Minnesota. Um, Scott brought up, I feel like, on a few episodes ago, but... Um, Coyle was re- he was really playing some good hockey before the um, COVID sh- shutdown. Uh, I think he had like 16 goals in again what were they 90 percent of the way through the year. So and he could have had 25 that year. Um, I- I'm interested to see. I-, I think that you know his frame and his his, his size and skill is definitely that that can be compatible with Taylor Hall and uh, Craig Smith. But to jump back to Stanika real quick, Scott, I didn't disagree with you, but I do think when um, when recapping what a young prospect has done for the Bruins so far, it's 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 different because the Bruins, you know, you have Bergeron and Krejci, and then you have Coyle down the middle, and then, you know, Stanika's not really built to be a fourth liner, so that's not really a situation they'd put him in. Whereas, like, there are other teams, other organizations, where he would have got that opportunity to play a regular shift um, maybe a year, even maybe two ago. So it's different because of the situation in the team he was drafted to, and I do think that... Now he's at that age. He's definitely at that you-got-to-show-me age now. I think he's 22, 23. Um, he's put on size and mass, and he has a lot of tools, pretty much all the tools, to be a really um, you know, high scorer in the NHL. So I'm just saying, like, and, and you said as much, it's a good, it'd be great if that, if, it'd be optimal if, if he stepped up. Um, but until he does, 
like I, I'm I'm really excited for training camp this year because for so many years it was the same core and granted that was a really good core that was always competitive but in a sense from from an analytical standpoint to to kind of see how the different um, chess pieces move on the board at training camp and who the coaches you know lean on or who they think may have a shot um, it'll be very very fun to watch for the next month I'm looking forward to it and preseason starts not too far from now. Uh, end of this month, like yeah. two weeks. Yeah, last I think last week of September are the first preseason games. And not to kind of jump back and forth with the topics here, but I have one final thought um, on the Taylor Hall chemistry situation with Charlie Coyle. I, I mean, Charlie Coyle was the obvious choice to move up to the second line, I think. But also to take into consideration, he's also a right shot, which Krejci was a right shot as well. And Hall went out of his way to mention that he had never played with a center that was a, a right shot and that that passing lane tends to be open more and he, it's easier for them to make those plays to each other because um, it's a right shot and then he can just grab it easily because he's a left shot. So just to take that in, into consideration, that could be um, something that helps them out too. Yeah, and by the way, Stamika also a right shot if that were to happen. So I just yeah, I, I just think he, he's he's not one of the he's not one of those like meant to be third liners. Like he's supposed to be a top six. Uh, let me rephrase: yeah. a top two center, top six forward. And we've all seen you know his flashes of, of skill. Um, it's but in the NHL, and I, it's not the eighties or nineties anymore. But there are certain facets of the game where you do need to have, you know, you need to have that 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 twenty five year old strength, and he just didn't have it until about just now. So we'll see how that plays out. I I do think, you know, even without Krejci, I'm not really worried about their their forward grouping. Um, do I think it can win a Stanley Cup? I mean, I think every team needs to make tweaks throughout the year anyway. I think they have a good foundation. I really like their bottom six, although we haven't really seen their new bottom six in a game together We're yet. not even sure what their bottom three is. Well, and so actually, that, I mean, I guess quickly, I, I personally think it's going to be Frederick, um, Nosek, and, and Lazar, and I think Wagner will be that odd man out to start. He, unless he really outplays somebody in training camp, I think that should be the way they go. But that third line is going to be interesting because you're going to have presumably Halla, Felino, and, um, and DeBrusque. Not one of those guys have played together before. So th- when I when I say it's going to be a fun training camp, that's what I mean. Like to see these new combinations. I want to address something that Razor said about the goaltending situation. Obviously, that's kind of where his expertise is. Um, so he had a few things to say. First of all, when I asked him about what their best pickup was in the off season, he spoke very highly of the addition of Linus Allmark. Um, so. Does that give you guys any more confidence, the fact that somebody who is a former Bruins goalie likes this move? Yeah, and I would say, like, I think even before, like, just the more you dig into Linus Allmark, the more there is to like. Because I think I think everyone's kind of caught off guard just by the signing in general. Like, take the player out of it, just the fact that the they— The term, you mean. Yeah, just the fact the that length, they yeah. went five years, $20 million yeah. on a goalie. Everyone's like, whoa, hold on, that's not like the— you know, hold stuff in place until but Razor ready. said Razor said that that's a good contract. Yeah. He thinks that that's not overpaying and that that could be a good deal for the Bruins. Yeah, and that's more like towards where I start to move kind of once you get past the initial shock because then you dig in, dig into like the numbers and look at Linus Allmark's age. He's 27, like prime years. Um, but, you know, had a winning record on a horrible Buffalo team. Good save percentage. When you dig deeper into stuff like 
high danger save percentage and goal saved above average. Scott getting into the deep analytics he was, here he was, as he per was usual. Top 10, in the, top 10 in the league last year. So everything points to exactly what Raycroft said, which is he was probably the best goalie on the market in terms of pure skill. Now he's had trouble staying healthy at times. So that's a real concern that they're going to have to monitor. And that's why having Swayman and you know being able to split time, which I think it'll probably be close to a 50-50 split. Like I don't, no, they're like, I don't, you know, it might lean like towards 60 40 if one's out playing the other. Yeah, I think but, that this could be a season like when we had Tim Thomas at the end of his time in Boston and Rask and just kind of going back and back and forth, pushing each other to be a better goalie. At times in that season, Rask was the better goalie. And then at times it was Thomas and it ended up being Thomas in the playoffs. That was the 2011 season, was it not? Yeah, well, so, yeah, I mean, they did that... 2010, maybe, the year they lost to the Flyers. Yeah, they did that a little bit. Like, I think that run, it was like, one of them would take it and run with it, like, in the second half at some points. Like, Rask in 10, Thomas in 11, and then, you know, Thomas in 12 and 13 was still, like, or 12, 12 at least, yeah. yeah, was still the starter. But, um, yeah, but, I, and, you know, and I can also see them, because they kind of... Cassidy talked about this last, like after last season, the idea of you know maybe not sticking with one goalie for an entire playoff run. Like I could see that happening because you start to see that more. Yeah. Where like, like if you're splitting goalies during the regular season and no one's playing, you know, five games in nine days, like why do you get to the playoffs and then start doing that if you like both of your goalies? So like I could even see them adopting that approach where it's like. It, obviously, if one's way out playing the other, then that's a different case. But if they're both playing really well and they get to the playoffs, like you might still see a rotation, even yeah. if it's maybe you know someone gets the two games in New York, and, or, or it won't be New York this year. But someone gets two games in Toronto, you come back. Someone gets the next two. Like, yeah, I could even see something like that. I, I yeah. worry a little bit that so they didn't play it correctly this past playoffs with with Rask and Swayman. Just I say that because Rask had an injury that he was playing through and I think that they should have leaned on Swayman a little bit more because he was the healthy guy. So if there's a situation where there's an injury they're dealing with, they're going to they should adjust what they did from last playoffs and go with the guy that's 100% cuz Rask was not 100%. And also that kind of leads into Something else that Andrew brought up, which kind of caught the ear of Brian and I, uh, which was that he kind of alluded to and kind of seemed like he had some information, knew a little bit more than we did um, about the chances of bringing Rask back. Um, It kind of I kind of picked up on the fact that it seemed like he knew that that wasn't really something the Bruins were considering too highly. I don't know if I go that far, but he he put a damper on it compared to what Tuca says, right? He's not as optimistic about it as Tuca, and yeah. I think that there's something to that. Well, yeah, because I definitely think like what could happen is, you know, look, obviously, Tuka, when Tukarask was on with the Greg Hill show at the Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon, clearly sounded like someone who plans to be back, who wants to be back, who thinks his recovery from hip surgery is going well, like. He didn't sound like someone who had much doubt about like where he wanted to be in January or February. Um, what I definitely could see is if Omar and Swayman are both healthy and playing well, is 
the Bruins kind of say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, maybe we're going to spend our money, uh, whatever money we have at that point, on a trade acquisition to upgrade somewhere else, whether that's defense, forward, um, you know. But I certainly don't think, like, I mean, like, obviously, if there's an injury, that changes everything. And then Mm -hmm. bringing Rask back is is a pretty easy solution. And also his recovery, because he's he's recovering from his own surgery in the offseason that would keep him out for the first month, maybe longer, of the season. Rask, you mean? Rask. Yeah, it's going to be longer than that. I mean, I think January. So Rask kind of said, like, he sees, like, Christmas January as when he could, like, be back on the ice and playing. So... Um, you know, I would say probably like Jan- sometime in January is the earliest in terms of game action. So I I feel like my mind is probably somewhat similar to what the Bruins mindset is, and it's kind of like come talk to me in December, January, see where we're at. Because if if, if the Bruins are in a situation where both goalies are playing well, um, at the time where Tuka is about eligible to come back to play and, and whatever, like why why on God's green earth would you spend for a third goalie and ruin? the chemistry and, and, and what's got you to that point. If, if you don't need him, then don't bring him back. It's it, 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 But if Swayman or, or Olmark, one or two of them are struggling, um, or one of them gets hurt, then you're in a different situation. But why, why, why pay for a third goalie when presumably you have two guys that have got you to a solid point well, at, that, at that point? What if the situation... So Rask, in that same interview with the Great Hill Show, said, uh, I think I'll be a cheap goalie for them. I mean, what if cheap means... Like basically veteran minimum, like seven hundred fifty, eight hundred thousand, something like that. But they still wouldn't want to jump the gun, right? This is going to be a decision that's made during the season. You know, probably right around that time that he thinks he might be able to come back to full health and be able to re-enter the league. So I don't think they need to jump the gun on the decision. Um, and it's going to be like a a situational decision so it's hard it's hard to kind of predict it but i with the allmark signing it kind of tells you what you need to know about how they feel about rask yeah one other thing razor said like you know to kind of maybe offset this a little he also said like you always need a third goalie and we've had a few years here with the burns where that hasn't really been true where they've been able to just go with two all year Last year was a case where it was true. Like mm-hmm. they they needed depth behind Rask and Halak because they ended up dealing with injuries and they had it in Swayman and even to a lesser extent Vladar. Well, Vladar's gone. They traded him. So right now, it as far as anything proven, it really is just Olmark and Swayman. And you know we'll see if anyone down in Providence uh, is able to step up and look like someone who might be able to contribute at an NHL level. Kyle Kaiser. Would probably be the closest that would be my guess but you know but we'll have to see they have Callum Booth around still too but you know he's really has very little NHL experience um but that's another thing is like where are you organizationally because if you're looking at Providence and your goaltending in Providence hasn't been very good for the first however many months maybe you're looking at bringing Rask back because god forbid something happens to even swimming in Elmark a healthy at the time God forbid something happens in March, April, leading yeah. up to the playoffs, and you don't trust the kids you have in Providence. But on the other end of the spectrum is a situation where, you know, they need to upgrade their roster because they need to go for it and win with Bergeron still. And so, you know, 
you could be in a situation again. This is why it's almost like let's see how things play out, yeah. right? Because you could be in a situation where you know you're into January, you know, late December, and you're like 25, 30 games into your schedule, and you know maybe maybe Allmark is showing signs of a five-year number one goaltender, right? And maybe Swayman's struggling a bit. Maybe like maybe Allmark is like something like I don't know, like 15 and three or four, and Swayman's you know two and three, whatever, something 500. But he's still, you know, your organization's um, top prospect besides uh, Fabian Lysel, arguably. Um, could Swayman, you know, be used uh, to go out there and get a, a real stud at the deadline, maybe on your blue line or up front or whatever the need is, um, along with maybe a pick or something? You just never know. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's um, Omar who's the trade bait, and you bring, and you bring Tuga back, but... It, 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 there's really a lot that can happen. We just, you know, it's all speculation. Yeah, there's know? a lot of questions that need to be answered, and it's it's been an interesting off season for sure. Not that last off season wasn't, because last off season threw us for a loop too. Um, it's been like that with the Bruins recently, so we still have a lot that will we need answered um, heading into the season. Though, unfortunately, those two questions about Krejci and Rask, we're we're not going to know the answer to that until much later. Yeah, and I think the latter is probably going to be the more relevant one um, on later episodes because I, I don't really see Krejci coming back this year. I don't think any of us do. Um, and, and, Scott, I mean, I don't even know if you got into, like, logistically, let's say Krejci and the Bruins were both on board. Like, how would he even get to back onto the Bruins? Because he'd have to clear waivers. All, all Yeah, he would have to, teams before the he would have to clear waivers and it would have to be before the trade deadline because you have to be signed before the trade deadline in order to be eligible for the playoffs. So that's... I don't think the NHL has announced the trade deadline date yet, but it's probably late March. Did you say he um, before that he would have to clear waivers for every team but the Bruins, or just like whatever? he would have to clear to where the Bruins are? Now, I believe. why is that though? Because he's not their property anymore. So like, why is that? Right. So I think any. So I think the way it works is that anyone. So players who go overseas and play overseas, if they want to make a midseason move to the NHL. And they aren't like a team's prospect or something. Uh, they have to they go through the waiver process, so anyone has a chance to claim them. So you can't because the reason the NHL has a rule is to prevent something like what the Bruins would love to do in this situation, which is like, yeah, go play in the Czech Republic for as long as you want, and then we'll just re-sign you whenever you, know, Krejci, whenever you feel can, like come back. Can Krejci pull this like NBA like kind of a thing where he's like, I'm not. Yeah. Gonna sign like with anyone, so don't pick he, me up. He absolutely can, and then teams can claim him just to block the move from him but, getting to the Bruins. I, but I just want to clarify because I, I don't want to get this wrong. So, but I, wouldn't I, they have to put his contract on their like? Cap? He doesn't have a contract. But yeah. if they if they claim him, don't they have to make a contract with for that? No, no. Would, if, not if Krejci's saying he's not going to sign. If 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 a team claims Krejci and he says I'm not signing with you, then like. That's it. Then he's just not playing. Here's another and, situation. Unless someone then like traded for his rights or something. Here, here's an interesting situation that just popped into my head. What if the so the team the waiver order they know who's gonna they know who's in last place who gets the waiver like the first choice at the waiver. What if the Bruins make a call to make a deal that says like if you sign Krejci, we'll give you X Y Z. Uh, that I don't know. That's an interesting idea. I mean, I think that that sounds like some games we should that can happen yeah. for sure. But but do you, do you bring up the waiver order? I just want to. I get... mean, to me, like that that'd be. 
I feel I don't again I don't know don't this for 100 fact but <laughs> like I feel like that should be allowed if you look at like what the Lightning did last year to get um, David Savard at the trade deadline they had two different teams picking up parts of his contract in order to fit the like a very minimal amount of his salary under their cap which I, I, they were already over because they had guys on IR so it's like like if you can do something like that which is like which would have Pretty to... clearly some sort of collusion. Like, you should be able to trade with teams well, in the waiver. Well, I don't know off the top of my head of any rule that would make that um, not allowed. But, of course, that all... All of this would have to happen before the trade deadline. We don't know if Krejci will be finished with his league in time for that anyway. But just... I guess we'll look into it and, yeah, and kind of get back to you on uh, that. Or even, again, even if Krejci would want to. Because, again, his season has already started. That's going to be a lot of hockey... For him to play leading up to that point, including the Olympics. But we love Krejci hypotheticals, yeah. <laughs> so we'll come back. We'll we'll do the research and see but, what what the situation could be with that. But the waiver order, the, is that determined by the current season standings or the yes. year prior's finishes? The current season. So why would the Bruins, unless they were currently first in the NHL, why would they be last in the waiver order? Uh, I don't think they would be. I okay, think so, okay, so they wouldn't yeah. be last in that. Yeah. Okay. So Got like it. you know, realistically. Obviously, like, no team towards the bottom would claim him because, like, you know, like, why would the Detroit Red Wings claim him? Like, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to sign a 36-year-old center. But the concern would be, like, if you got— No, but they wouldn't, as you get they wouldn't up, sign a 36-year-old center. But if the Bruins were able to somehow make a deal, they could say, I want Swayman. I want, you know, a young goalie. Yeah. That, well, that, that may, yeah, no, it, it wouldn't be anything of <laughs> no, value. No, I'm just but, saying, yeah. like, yeah, you, yeah. you can go get what you want out of the Bruins system if you make that kind of a deal. It's like, we're getting this guy to knowing that we're immediately going to deal him for what we actually want. Yeah, again, I, I don't know if you can even do that, but so, so let's say <laughs> I like, like the idea. Yeah, I, well, look into it. So let, like, let's say you can't do that. Let's say he can only play for the team that claims him. Then, like, no, no, no bad happen. team's going to claim him, so he's going to drop, drop, drop. And then the problem, like, if the Bruins were one of like the lower playoff contenders at the time, like, say they're, I don't know, fifteenth, sixteenth in the overall standings, then he legitimately could just fall to them. Yeah, but if the Maple Leafs are behind you in the standings or the Florida Panthers who look like a playoff contender this year or the Canadians who could be like right there on the fringe. Like why would one of those teams not claim him and just to block the Bruins? Yeah. It's so Krejci and the Bruins will both have to do their due diligence on that whole situation and whether or not it could even possibly logistically work out, not just um, like beyond the interest of either party. Um, I have two more things and then we're done. Um, well, I'm done. You guys can talk about whatever else you want. Um, no, I'm done. Ray Croft. I'm, I'm done right now. Actually. I'm, I'm <laughs> Bye, Scott. <laughs> All right, so that does it for uh, um, Ray Croft. Seem more optimistic about about um, the defense than than we do. More so because we're concerned about their depth. Because the Bruins seems to be one of those teams. Like last year, the Islanders. Like I don't think they have one game lost, maybe one to like defensemen all year due to injury. The Bruins, it doesn't matter what year it is, what place they're in, they they go down two, three, four, five defensemen every single year, like in in different parts. So for me, I look at that and I say, well, it, that'll probably happen again at some point. So if that does, like you know, your your seventh and eighth defensemen right now seem to be like Zaboral and you know John Moore and maybe Vakanainen. Like I, I don't know because they yeah. lost Lozon and and um, whatever. So I guess like you know where are you at with the defense? Like do you have a different opinion than, than Raycroft there? I mean, yeah. I mean I'm still not particularly optimistic because 
Look, the Bruins last year were a very good defensive team. I think, you know, we sort of lose sight of that a little bit. Uh, I think they'll be a good defensive team again. Um, But I thought they needed to either improve their defense or significantly improve their off. Like, they needed to upgrade at least one place um, in order to really be a serious cup contender. Because, well, I don't think they were, like, terribly far away last year. Like, I think they had a pretty good team. They clearly needed more, and I just don't see where on this roster they added more and, like, made, okay, your depth forwards, okay, you'll probably have a better third and fourth line, but you have, like, a worse second line. You have a defense that, if it stays healthy, I think it's basically the same. You know, we've talked about this before. Like, I think Derek Forward is fine. I don't think he's a significant upgrade over Jeremy Lozon. And the big issue is that the defense – has not had a good history with staying healthy at all, so that's no. where the depth well, comes in. That's my in. concern because I, I Ray Croft said as much, and I, I do agree with him. Like with if Carlo's healthy, like I, I think that their decor McAvoy is going. He, he's one of the best defensemen in the league, and he's starting to get some preseason recognition too, and a lot of rankings and stuff like that. It's like for um, Norris votes. But for that makes year. him a target, right? We see guys. Yeah, but he's all he's been a target for 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 three years now. I just think yeah. that like my, I, I think they can tread water until they need to maybe make a deadline acquisition. But my biggest concern is just when the injury bug. Yeah, hits. and that's and that's where you're you're hoping that, and I think Grazer touched on this is like you're hoping. Guys are learning how to avoid that. And I'm thinking specifically of Carlo and Grizzlick, who are two guys who, you know, look, they've both been injured on hits that were out of their control as well, but too often seem to get hit in put vulnerable, themselves in vulnerable a positions yeah. where, like, if they go into the boards awkwardly and you just, you know, and I think Carlo's even talked about this. He's talked about, like, especially in the wake of the Cal Clutterbuck hit in the playoffs, which was a clean hit and he just wasn't really fully braced for is being more aware of preparing for that, seeing it coming, bracing and not ending up in a vulnerable spot. Uh, it is something and, he said he was working yeah, on. And, and Grizzly, I think is the same way. Like I, I know that he's working on that as well and looking at that. But the question is like, okay, when does, when do they actually learn that? Like when does that actually kick in and like, are they going to be able to do that for an entire season? Because it, it only takes one of those. It only takes one time where you didn't see a hit coming, you weren't prepared for it, didn't expect the guy to finish the check. Like, whatever the case is, that only needs to happen once for you to then be battling injuries and, you know, stuff something lingers and Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, in my mind, makes it one of the more important things to focus on. Like, in terms of what you're, what you're going over in practice or just uh, with your coaches – Figuring out a way to get these guys taught how to just avoid those checks seems to be very, very key for their season because it's over. It's not over, over, but like it, it has a, a higher chance of failure if these guys can't stay healthy. So I think it's it's got to be one of the more important things to address. Well, communication with their goaltender and everybody else in the ice is first and foremost. I also which, think which, that, by the way, they have an, one young goalie and one new goalie. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> like, but, but Allmark is Swedish and he has, and Swedes have great English, so that that, that should be an issue. But the uh, yes, I guess technically they have no chemistry out there yet. You can't, you know, it just dawned Poor on chemistry, me. Chemistry, as Pashnak would say. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just dawned on me. You can't do a Krejci accent anymore. I can still do it. I'll, <laughs> hey, hey, I'll just use it. I'll use it uh, on occasion, like maybe around Christmas or something like that for a little present. Um, but. <laughs> Another thing, too, is just... Listeners are going to be wondering all season if there's a chance the Krejci accent comes back. 
deck the house with pots of holly. Um, no, but the other thing too is you you gotta um, you know not have your back to uh, the four checkers. Honestly, like and and and, and like Carlo and Grizzlick and Johnny Borchek did this a lot when he was playing. Like they would they would they would collect the puck and then do a. They love to do like the. Marshan does it a lot on the sideboards. Like they, they switch their edges to like throw off the 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 four check or whatever, and it puts them in a vulnerable position. So just yeah. But uh, last thing for me is that um, it's not really a Bruins thing. It's more of, a, of an NHL thing. I just think that this is a huge, and I want you guys to thoughts on this. I think this is a very big year for the NHL um, for the for for domestic popularity in North America or the the U.S. Not Canada, obviously, but um, you have a new deal with ESPN. Um, TNT. Oh, by the way, our own Sean McDonough taking over the head play-by-play play role mm-hmm. for that. I've never talked to him before, but you guys have. Oh, well, so. I, I yeah. work the Red Sox broadcast we'll get, with him. We'll, we'll get him on at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be good. Yeah, he's he's a nice guy. I work with him on the yeah. Red Sox broadcast. Big personality. Obviously, he used to call NHL games, so he's finally able to go back to doing that. And, yeah, he'd be a good get for us, and obviously we have the connection, so yeah. we'll see. So he's going to be on ESPN? And then uh, Turner Sports, TNT. So, I mean, t- two huge, you know, networks in, in the U.S. And then um, the NHL players will be um, attending the 2022 Olympics. So I just think that this is a massive year for uh, for the NHL to, to gain some popularity among the four major sports in the U.S. And don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or just anything you're looking forward to about the new broadcast. Yeah, well, it, it's a good point. Like, you're right. It is huge. And it's it, it feels like an, an emergence kind of from... You know, like, I think NBC generally did a pretty good job with, like, what they had. I'm but, not going to lie. At the end, but I it's was one really network, not feeling it. it. It's, it was often buried. Like, we all remember, you know, if you go way back, like, the jokes of, like, where is, oh, wait, whatever. OLN. O-L-N. Yeah. Where's Versus? Like, yeah. what channel is this? <laughs> like, at least NBC Sports had a little bit more name recognition. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a network that people didn't really go to for, any, like, maybe get some NASCAR fans or... Yeah. You know, I'm a big English Premier League soccer fan. I was going to say, there's soccer. Like, like, we, we, we got that. But, yeah, but obviously ESPN and TNT, like, now you're going with, now you're getting, you know, NBA viewers, hopefully. Like, NFL, obviously, on ESPN. Um, some, someone had brought up the possibility of, like, so TNT, uh, anyone who's a wrestling fan will know this, has AEW now, yep. which is, like, huge. It's just skyrocketing it's in awesome. popularity. It's awesome. And someone's like, why not put, like, NHL AEW double headers like yeah because there does seem to be like a lot of crossover in like hockey and wrestling fans so like st- stuff like that is just not me but was sure. never like that wasn't open to that wasn't even a possibility to consider when you were yeah. on NBC so my final thought about that is just that I'm so amped that NHL players can play in the Olympics again. That was such a yeah. disappointing Olympics. I'm always tuned into the Olympics. I don't care if it's at three in the morning. When I was in college, uh, it was at three in the morning, and yeah. I was watching the broadcast. I'd wake up, I w- watching it in class. Um, I'm so happy that it is going back to NHL players playing in it because it lacked luster when it wasn't it was really like okay but i want to see the best players play against mm. each other um and i like to see the different combinations like you know marshawn bergeron playing with Sidney crosby those right. are those like you only get to see that then so i'm so excited for it i even contemplated going to china um to be at some of the games but it looks like because of my yale 
hockey season. Uh, that might not happen, but damn. if if I can still slip in, correspondent on site. I, you know, I might. You know, for like a week, if I can Son get of it. A bitch. <laughs> no, I mean, I want to go so bad, but I don't know if it works out for me. But I'm just yeah. so excited for that. Uh, that's one of the me things too. I'm looking forward yeah. to most. Well, and like the, the not only are NHL players back, but the talent pool is just it, it's it's it really is dream teams. It's 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 going to be awesome. Um, you know, everybody always used to say, like, the U.S. had a really competitive team, but, like, Canada could always have enough to make two men's teams. And I feel like the the U.S. is now pretty close to that stage as well, and I just think it's yeah. going to be phenomenal hockey all See, around. Brian and I have been so excited about this that we've had conversations just in the office, like, oh, this is who the... This is who the optimal like USA yeah. team will be. This has been happening for like over a year where we just wanna, been talking I about this. See, I want to see Kachuk brothers bash brothers fourth line. It's going to be great. But I mean, it's going to be, it's so, I mean, the, the talent you can throw out there on a power play for the US is stupid. I mean, it really is. I mean, um, Matthews, um, Patrick Kane, Jack Eichel, I mean, John Carlson, Wierenski, like Jones, it doesn't Quinn matter. Hughes, like, it's, yeah, it's stupid. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes could have a big year and maybe make a push. Like it's gonna be fun. Um, I just hope that the U.S. Uh, actually, all the countries have like their own custom uniforms and that actually represent their flag and their colors. Because last Olympics and since then they've gone to like those generic like you know. I don't know if it was a Reebok. They're just yeah. disgusting. They look they look like ski ski jerseys or ski. It's not good. I actually sent USA Hockey a DM on Instagram, and <laughs> I'm not. Did, did they respond? Um, it has not been seen. <laughs> I sent them about three send weeks ago. Send it again. Send it again. I, 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 uh, it was a very cordial DM. I, they posted a picture of like um, like the uh, under eighteen uh, men's game or something like that, and they had like these. They had these um, blue jerseys and, and socks that are the same ones that they wear at the World Juniors, like the red, white, and blue ones they wear for like the medal games, but mm-hmm. it was in blue. And I think I said something like, um, for the love of God, <laughs> please, please wear these in, in, in February. But I don't know. I'm just excited for the broadcast. It's nice to have a change, mm-hmm. of, uh, a change of broadcast. Like my fondest memories before I was a Bruins fan, I was a Mighty Ducks fan growing up. And like the, their run to the finals in 03, because um, I was a huge Paul Curry guy. So, like, that ESPN, like, theme song and just, like, the graphics that they had just bring me back to the glory days. So, I'm looking forward to seeing a modern version of that for well, sure. One last thought on the Olympics. The Bruins will be well represented. Yeah. And um, so, uh, Cassidy will be um, on the Team Canada coaching squad. I mean, we got players on Canada, players on the U.S., Czech Republic. Uh, it could be, you know, it's going to be interesting for Bruins players to watch. So, like, what happens if, like, we're given the ultimatum? Okay. You can have Team USA win a gold medal at the 2022 Olympics. They beat Canada for the gold medal in overtime. They beat Russia in the semis to advance to the finals. But the bad news is ah, Chucky goes down with a knee injury for the rest of the year. The Bruins season is done. But do you trade that for the gold medal? I don't know. I'm not trying to bring bad juju, but... <laughs> can we have both? No. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he'll pull a... I, f- I feel like most Bruins fans are going to take healthy Charlie in that case. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. over, over the well, they, they might yeah, not be as, as amped so. about the Olympics and, and Team USA as we are, but... Yeah. Well, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Maybe maybe they can win both with, with a healthy Charlie, so... If that happens, Brian, I'm going to be so pissed you know at what? you. Actually, <laughs> U.S. making a real run, though, that's such a huge... like. Yeah. For people who you maybe don't realize or follow, they haven't won since the 1980 Miracle on Ice. No. They've never won with NHLers. Obviously been close. They lost in... In overtime in the gold medal game uh, in 2010. Zach Parise goal with like two seconds left, and then Crosby yeah. scores to win it in overtime. 
Yeah, I mean, they've had some duds. I mean, um, you know, 02, they went to Salt Lake City, and that was, um, that was awesome. That was the year they lost to Canada. I mean, that, that Canadian team was really, really, I mean, that was, they were stupid good. Um, but 06 in Torino, Italy, uh, you know, they no-showed. Um, yeah, that was like the transition year. Where, like, they were still kind of clinging to some of like, yeah. the old core and didn't really have, like, the next generation yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have... Fortunately, I should say there is like a we got to do an Olympic there's clause. There's a clause in the agreement. Like technically, I think the NHL could pull their players out if there's COVID issues, but we don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so we'll get NHL players in the Olympics, and we will bridge it for sure. We'll talk a lot about that because it's it's going to be awesome to watch. Um, I'm going to cut out that Charlie McAvoy thing just in case it happens. <laughs> so, no, so nobody comes knocking on my door. Um, we all know he's my favorite player, so hopefully nothing happens to him. I'll, I still remember. I'll still remember. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm good. What episode was this, by the way? 61. 61. And for the three of us, that's 19, 20? We're getting there. I think we took over uh, at 42. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so we're approaching. We're approaching. All right, um, that's all for us. Thanks for listening. And... Uh, Follow Scott and Bridget, myself on Twitter, and the season's coming up pretty soon, so uh, we'll, we'll be a lot more um, chatty on, on Twitter. I'll get my gifts going again. Um, and, yeah, we'll go from there. So thanks for listening. Any last words, guys? No. It's good. Good, right. good to be back. Obviously, we, you know, we had a few weeks off here. Uh, one last thing I'll, I'll mention. That's right. I did beat you in the Bergeron draft. You'd have to bring it up, Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come well, on. That You're wasn't never going to live mention, that down. <laughs> Yeah, so to the last episode we did, Brian and I drafted our all Bergeron era teams, and yeah. I, I will concede that that Brian won the Twitter poll. He he won over the fans. It's okay. It uh, happens, it happens Scott. I don't know. I, I'm hoping my team you know builds some some good chemistry and and maybe surprises once once they get on the ice. Now, uh, the the one last thing I was going to mention is uh, you know people have probably heard about uh, Jake Tebow, who was a Local player from Fitchburg who uh, suffered suffered a horrible spinal injury uh, in a game over Labor Day weekend. Um, his father was on the Greg Hill show uh, last week, and there's there's a GoFundMe set up um, that people can find for him. Uh, the Greg Hill Foundation is also still raising money; their fundraiser is still open. Um, but yeah, he, it's a horrible situation. Obviously, anytime something like this happens, and you know. Again, people have probably heard, probably already do- donated, but just in case there's anyone, you know, not aware, not sure if, like, fundraising's still open, it is. GoFundMe page is still open. Greg Hill Foundation fundraiser's still open. So, um, you know, obviously a, a, a great cause if anyone's... Is that, is that something that you could attach to yeah, the yep. episode on Twitter? Yep. With the link to that? Yep. All right. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah, that's right, Scott. That's a... Uh, Awful, awful news. So, yeah, please support if you can. Um, Bridget, are you good to go? I'm good. All right, thanks for listening. I guess we'll, we'll with camp starting up, we'll probably resume. Um, when I get back from the, the Bahamas. I thought you were just in the Bahamas. <laughs> no, I just came back from Hawaii. I can't keep up. <laughs> uh, so, um, Brian, you go anywhere exotic this summer? <laughs> you ever hear of uh, Meredith, New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I, we'll, we'll get back to the weekly episodes, I guess. Uh, Pretty soon. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.